This is Andy Steiger. Welcome to the AC Podcast. On this podcast, we want to help you to understand and speak the language of our culture and to address questions being asked with intellectual honesty, gentleness, and respect. Hi, welcome back to the AC Podcast. I'm joined here with Alicia Stoby, and this is part three, I guess, if you will, for the series that we've been doing together on parenting your child in a technological age. This is something Alicia and I have talked about for a while and really felt would be valuable to get into. Now, I said something about you last week, and I'm going to throw a new one in there this week. One of the things that I remember again about working with you that I thought was hilarious is you have an identical twin. And one of the things that you told me about that I have thought was hilarious to this day is that when you would go clothes shopping as a kid, <laughs> you didn't use a mirror, that you would bring your sister with you clothes shopping because you preferred seeing what the outfit would look like on her. Yes, especially like hats or jackets, if you will. It was so much easier just to get her to quickly try it on. <laughs> That is so hilarious to me. Now, there is a weird thing, too, that happens with mirrors where it's a reverse image. But when you're looking at your sister, you're seeing... Looks pretty clear. Looks pretty clear. So, so good. I wish we had time to get into the nuances of being a twin, but we don't have that time. We're going to be talking about being a parent. We haven't mentioned this for a bit. I have two children. Uh, you have two children. Two boys. Two, and I have two boys. They're in two different stages, though. How old are your kids? My kids are three and a half and one and a half. Okay, and mine are 11 and 12. My oldest is actually going to be 13 pretty quick here. And so this, I think, is helpful for parents because as we talk about this, uh, we have skin in the game. Uh, we are in the midst of this ourselves. And, and really, the desire in this podcast is to be as practical as possible, helping you in this. Now, we also have some skin in this game in a different way. You are a counselor. How long have you been counseling? And tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I've been counseling since 2014. And my first job, my first formative uh, years were with um, the RCMP. I'd receive RCMP referrals who for children and families who are in trouble with the law alongside my private practice. And currently, I have a practice in Surrey uh, with some associates and what have you. That's great. Now, I have been a pastor for 20 years, uh, working with teens and, and young adults. I worked with young, I worked with middle schoolers for a year. That's about all that I could handle. Tough age. Yeah, it is. And now, but it's fun. I'm in that age, you know, with my kids now, and I've been enjoying it. But we live in an interesting time, and we've been talking about technology and the reality that this is something you can't get away from. We live in a technological age. And so we have to be more intentional about thinking what, what does it look like to parent and to be a proactive parent in the midst of the world that we live in? How are we going to do this? Yeah. And if you've listened to uh, the first two episodes, uh, it might seem like I don't let my kids online and that I'm just not going to parent this world at all. And that's not true and not possible and not good for my kids. So my kids, our kids will engage online. Uh, we'll do it very intentionally because there's so much 
good things online. And I do want to emphasize that we don't have a lot of time to get into it because we're really going into the deeper, heavier things. But it is here to stay. It is important. It is um, something that kids are always going to engage in. And so I want to encourage parents to not just feel too overwhelmed to shut this world down and to not let our kids online. That's not the solution. The solution is intentional parenting through positive relationships. Now, I know that this is an issue, though, that you're heavily invested in, and it's an issue that concerns you because you often deal with the negative aspects, you know, in in your counseling practice, what things look like when they go wrong. And I guess in many ways you could see that this podcast series has been, let's don't let things go wrong. Mm -hmm. But let's imagine that a parent's coming to this podcast because things are not going great Mm -hmm. and they need some advice. Let's begin with some warning signs. Mm -hmm. What are some warning signs that parents should be concerned or maybe they're already concerned and that's why they're listening to the podcast anyways? Yeah. Often what happens when teens and kids come to my counseling, they're referred to me typically by the RCMP or by a trauma center where they've really experienced very difficult things online. And I also get the parents because they are actually the key to the solution and the healing process. But what I often find is that parents didn't know. They didn't know that their kids were being blackmailed or they didn't know that there was a predator grooming them and threatening them. And they had no idea that their kid was going through uh, cyberbullying or teen sexting. And so uh, this isn't to blame parents at all, but rather to empower you and to encourage you that uh, some of the warning signs that over the last seven years, like more uh, that have come up for me that I want to share with you today is that if your kid is online excessively, they are online, they feel obsessed or ruminate, if you will, that um, there's a certain platform that they're on and they have to do it or they have meltdowns. That's a flag, okay? That's a flag that something's going on and they are in higher anxiety. When you get unexpected phone calls, and this used to happen far more when our kids didn't have their own phones, but when someone calls and they hang up, If that happens uh, often or more than once, start taking note that that's a flag. Um, Sometimes blackmailers or people will go on and use different devices and if they don't get your child, they'll hang up. If you get gifts, unsolicited gifts in the mail, that's a more advanced way that predators uh, lure children in. But they will give gifts, monetary, all of a sudden they have money in their pockets to spend. Ask them where they're getting their money from, where they got that new Gucci watch or that new cell phone cover. Know where these things are coming from. That's a sign of grooming from online predators. Also, if your child withdraws. Okay, so if your child changes in mood significantly, either up behaviorally, so externally, aggression, or withdrawals, just spends their time in their bedrooms all the time, just doesn't want to talk. Now, there's a very healthy transition in teenagehood where kids want more time to themselves and are less open. And so there is that. But if it's quite extreme, if it's kind of a flick of the switch, or it gradually gets worse and worse and worse, and you feel like you can't quite penetrate that withdrawal situation, these are all flags that I want to encourage you to get very serious about. Uh, When I speak to the RCMP officers in charge of online exploitation and predators, they want to encourage you to give them a call. There are sites that we're going to recommend at the end of this episode very clear sites where you can just log on and make a report in Canada and they want to hear from you they would rather hear from you and it be nothing than to not hear from you and it be something that's great and I'm sure as well if parents have other issues that they're thinking oh this might be a warning sign how could they get a hold of you 
Um, so my practice is called Experience Change. Feel free and check out my website. There's a form you can fill in on experiencechange.ca or my email, A-L-I-S-H-A at experiencechange.ca. I would love to hear from you. I consult all the time with therapists, uh, RCMP officers and families when they have some suspicions and they don't know quite what to do. This is a good transition for us as we go into the topic of transparency online. Now, my time pastoring, I've had many moments where parents have come to me and they've said, listen, I'm seeing some warning signs, some things I'm concerned about about my child online. And often it's at that point that they want transparency mm-hmm. online. Now, I think that we need to talk about this in two perspectives then. One is the ideal is to start with transparency in technology so that you don't have to come back to it uh, later. It's way more difficult, and I think you would agree, mm-hmm. to try to have a, a transparent parenting interaction with your child with their technology if you let this go till later. If you start at the very beginning, it's much simpler. Now, one of the things, though, that's interesting about transparency is I've had once with a parent where they wanted to know, okay, what technologies can I get that I could put on somebody's device that will tell me what they're doing? Mm. And really, this was, they wanted some like spyware, right? Good idea, bad idea. I don't recommend it. And what I'm not recommending here is to take your child's device and put something on it and not tell them, okay? I want to encourage transparency. And so, what happens... This gets back to modeling, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It gets back to modeling and owning your role as the parent. You are the parent. You are there to protect the child. You are there to establish the boundaries and for that to be clear. When this does not happen, because I've had many families come into my counseling practice where they did do spyware situations and then the child found out that the parents had been reading, you know, their messages or hearing or seeing every photo or whatever that they're transferring. And the children are devastated. And some of them even have like a PTSD response, a post-traumatic stress disorder response, because they feel so very betrayed. And so what I want to encourage you to do as parents is to be clear with them, even though it's difficult, but to save the relationship. Because healing parenting, very deep things that your children need from you are all done through relationship. It's done at the base of the quality of relationship that you have with them. And even on that note, when you parent the online world, like you said, it's very difficult to transfer like, oh, I haven't parented this. I don't know what my kids are doing online to now I need to know. Now they need to know that I'm parenting them. I'm seeing what they're doing online. I want to encourage you alongside that to bolster your relationship, to to go out on a date, go for a walk, to bolster the quality of your relationship on one hand while you create increased transparency on the other. So transparency is taking place on both fronts. You as a parent are being transparent and you're desiring transparency. So you're not wanting to entrap your child. You're wanting them to know, A, what does appropriate online behavior look like, and then Secondly, to know that there is accountability to their behavior. Now, the same thing happens in the the real world, right? My kids know that they're not supposed to hit each other, and then I'm watching them. And if they hit one another, I'm going to parent that. You know, this becomes more challenging with regards to their devices. And so, we could say, okay, listen, I don't want you being inappropriate 
virtually. But the challenge is how, how are you going to parent that mm -hmm. so that you know whether or not they are or are not being appropriate online. So that means then that there's going to need to be a level of accountability that they are aware of. Mm -hmm. You know, with our kids, like we've sat them down and have talked multiple times, like, listen, there is accountability software on our devices. So if you go someplace that you're not supposed to, or you're doing something you're not supposed to, I will know. Right. And so for us, we wanted them to set that up because I'm not trying to set them up for failure. I'm trying to set them up for success. And I'm also trying to set them up knowing that this isn't the Wild West, right? This isn't a free for all, that there are boundaries online. And as a parent, I'm still actively involved in their online world. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about children and teens is that when they are in a room and the door is closed, they think it's private. And what we're really doing by creating software and having these conversations is we're making light to actually what's already happening. Because everything that they're putting online is not theirs. It's not private. And they think that it is. And so even when, you know, no, mom, you know, Snapchat, the, the picture, it goes away in 30 seconds, mom. No, it actually doesn't. Um, there's multiple ways that the picture stays around. And if nothing else, it's on a server somewhere that they do not own. So what we're doing is we're we're teaching them something that's really already existing on us. Because Andy, if you and I go online, not if, <laughs> when we go online, everything that we do online is recorded. Yeah. Okay. Whether or not we have software on our computers. And so we, what we want to do is be clear with our kids about what is actually happening here and stay in the parenting realm and kind of have a, a fingerprint on what they're doing so you can parent it well. Here's a pro tip for you parents. If you're concerned that, hey, I wonder how my child is doing online, or maybe you haven't been as active as you should and you're wondering where things are at, one thing that you can do that I find young people actually, they understand, but I've actually done for myself, is you can Google your name. Mm -hmm. And I would encourage you, Google your child's name. Google your own name. I did this once. Well, actually, I didn't do it. Somebody else Googled my name, and they then sent me a message and just said, hey, P.S., I Googled your name, and somebody got a hold of your CV, and they have been posting it online as a way to promote their you know, resume builder or whatever. I'm like, what? And it was a private CV, you know, like it wasn't something that I necessarily wanted just to be online. So I actually found that out through that. And I went and contacted this company and like, please take my CV off Personal your website. information. Yeah, it address. had my address, it had my phone number, it had all that stuff. And I'm like, take that off. I didn't give you permission to, to put, put that. You put it on a server somewhere, no. which is not your fault, of course, Andy. Right. But this is what we need to teach our children is that when you press enter, when you put something online, even as simple as a CV, it is not their own. And some of these things that we're going to go through today seem pretty obvious to us, and they are not obvious to teens and children. And so I encourage you to say it out loud, to write some of these points down, and to be clear. So this could be a way for you to find out what is going on. Uh, you can do a, a quick Google. Let's talk though, practically speaking about what does it look like to monitor um, yeah. your children online? What does it look like to be an active parent with technology? And there's two things that we really need to distinguish here. And there is a difference between monitoring a device versus monitoring a network. Now, I want to get into this because one of the things I'm realizing is it's becoming more and more 
easy to monitor a network and more and more difficult to monitor a device. Well, let's get into that. Well, I'm going to use, you know, my non-IT techie language here. And uh, my husband's in IT, and so he has all the correct lingo. So bear with me, IT out there. Um, but my understanding is that the major difference between uh, monitoring a network is basically the internet box. So you get a box, by the way, when you purchase the internet in your home and you plug it in, and well, they do. And then it's this network that when your friends come in, hey, can I have your you know, Wi-Fi password? That's the network. It's what people are connecting to and kind of the imaginary traffic, if you will, in your home that you're purchasing. So let's pause there for a moment. Mm-hmm. So here's a very practical moment then that as a parent you have to think through. Now you may have monitoring software for a device, but on your child, and we're going to talk about those in just a moment, but that doesn't mean that their friend does. Right. And so it's so easy then that you've done your due diligence and you're monitoring devices, but your child brings home a friend who has a device and it's not being monitored. So if you're monitoring your network and the child brings in an, uh, their own device, then you can see or do, you know, capture some things that they're doing online because you're monitoring the network, the imaginary traffic in the air, if you will. If you uh, monitor a device, there's limitations to that, right? And so a device is like a phone, a tablet, an iPad, anything that picks up the internet and has an internet signal. The device is something very physical that you can see and touch. So in order to monitor the device itself, you need to put something on that device. And so those are very uh, specific and calculated. So I'll mention one of them. Well, I actually told you this the other week that when I first encountered pornography online was when I was in college. Back then, it got emailed to you. It was You would get these porn websites that would email out and it was the spam. That was my first interaction uh, with this and realizing, oh, my goodness, pornography was that easy to access. I was quite naive about it. And I remember sharing this with my roommate in college. And my roommate was like, where have you been? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's that it's that easy. And it was interesting because I had this moment where I was like, my sinful flesh did not have the capacity, you know, to fight this. And so I knew, okay, I'm going to need some help with regards to this. And so I immediately researched, you know, how do you monitor devices for yourself? And I think parents is an important aspect of what is, you know, what does it look like to parent? Parenting your children online means that it starts with you. And what does it look like to parent me online? And so I started off with this uh, software called X Church. It was free at the time. And it worked great. I had my mom be my accountability partner. So it sent her anything inappropriate that I viewed. And I got to tell you, that was good incentive not to visit, you know, anything online. I didn't, you know, want some, something going to Mama Steiger, right? (laughs) Now, I don't know if I would recommend that now. You know, I I think I'd probably recommend have a good friend because later on what I did is I I, I moved away from my mom being my accountability partner in in many ways because my mom wasn't tech savvy enough and, and whatnot. And I needed somebody who was and who was checking their email regularly, who could make sure that that I was staying pure online. Now, technology keeps advancing, and I began to realize I needed something that could monitor not only my device, but could do a better job and could man- monitor my family. And so, we went with software called Covenant Eyes. It does cost us $10 a month or something to that effect, 
But that was a cost of parenting, in my opinion, and I knew that, and has been something that we have put on all of our devices. Yeah. So, I want to go back to this idea of monitoring your network versus monitoring your device. One isn't better than the other. They just both have limitations. And so, I do want to encourage you to monitor both. Because like you said, if you only monitor your network, then your kid can bring the device to Starbucks or wherever. They can get free Wi-Fi and uh, have no accountability at that point. Or if you only put it on your device... All you have to do is connect to a different network. So all of this to say is that it doesn't take much to get around monitoring software. And so if your child is old enough and tech savvy enough, they can Google it and get around it. And even when you're in IT, you are an adult, you know how to get around this stuff. When you put it on your computer, and time and time again, I get men reporting this, but also here, you see it in research, that that extra step of accountability, even if you know, even when you know how you can get around it, is still very, very helpful in monitoring. It's that extra pause where we can actually engage our respiratory system, which then engages our entire mind online to access, do I want to do this? Does this fit for me? And we need that extra pause as adults. As children, they desperately need the pause, the monitoring, and the relationship with the parents. I want to talk on a very practical note here of the challenges to monitoring. This is something that I have experienced as a father. I've taken a very proactive approach with this with my boys, knowing that this is something that that I want to help safeguard them from and and parent them well through, but it's been challenging. Uh, And I'll give you one just real-world example. Uh, When my son went to middle school, the middle school requires that they have a computer. The computer that they have chosen is Chromebook. For whatever reason, a couple years ago, Google got rid of all parenting accountability off of their their devices. So Chromebooks are notoriously difficult to parent, to monitor, because things like Covenant Eyes and whatnot doesn't work on these devices. And that's where things get really frustrating and challenging. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show is because I've seen how much how many hours of research I've had to put into this sort of stuff going, man, this is ridiculous. I, these companies are not making it easy for us parents. So as you said, you know, you recommended monitoring both the device and the network, and that's where we had to go to. So we ended up doing two things. So for, for what it's worth, parents, one is I have now made it a habit that not only do I have an account on my child's device, whatever that device might be, but I have an admin level account on that device so that I can, you know, see what's going on and see if, you know, what the history is or if a history has been deleted or anything like that. Again, I, I would never do that deceptively. I would let my kids know when they get the device, I will periodically check your history, P.S., right? I am currently checking your history or I will be checking, you know what I mean? So that is a conversation that's constantly happening. Or for ours, kids, I say, listen, you have this accountability software is on your computer, which they're aware of because there's YouTube videos that it'll stop them from visiting. And it's quite sensitive. I have to say, honestly, it's a real frustration of mine. We're in the dark ages of parenting technology. We really are. And it's amazing to me that it's year 2020 and we're this far behind. So, to give you an example, when we wanted to monitor the network, there are different ways you can do it. So, there's devices called like Disney Circle and others that you can plug in to your current 
internet provider. And then that will be a way to monitor your network. So there is a way you can do that, parents. Google it. You'll find lots of different options. But what surprised me is I wanted to get there are limitations to all this. So I wanted to find a provider that provides internet that has that level of monitoring. So we went with uh, TELUS for a while uh, here in Canada. I mean, wherever you are, you have to research this, but they don't have that. And it's again, it's like, I, I can't believe it. So we ended up going with Shaw because Shaw has finally taken that approach. And so now I... Do all the devices in our house are monitored, not just our kids, but then it can do some other things that's helpful as well, just so you know, parents. It's called Blue Curve with Shaw, and you can not only safeguard where your kids are going. Now, sadly, again, we're like, I, like I said, we're in the dark ages. It tends to just be a blanket third party monitoring. And so often it's going to stop your kids from going to things that they should be able to go to. And that's what's frustrating, right? Is because the kids know, Hey, I know I shouldn't go see these sites, but it gets frustrating for them where they stop trusting the monitoring because it's like, but I should be able to go to these other ones. And it's not. That's something you have to deal with. But one of the things I like about it is I can highlight specific devices and say, this device can be online for this this long. Mm. I can put time frames on it. Or another one that I can do is I can say that this device can no longer have web access past 10 p.m. Or web access will only start at 10 a.m. or whatever it is. There's some some very, very helpful monitoring situations here to bolster the power that you have as parents to be able to do this. And I do want to just dip today in this idea of online transparency. And so, you know, one thing in the counseling room is that I explore, explore, explore what's coming up for the parents, what's coming up for the families. And I often have individual sessions with the parents and it comes up time and time again that the parents are at an impasse that they won't, one or both, won't put monitoring devices on their network or devices uh, because they themselves do not want transparency. So let me just be clear here. So you're talking about parents. Parents. So we're not talking about the kids. No. That often you'll be getting pushback from the parent not wanting to put accountability software online, which is an alarm bell. It's concerning because it impacts the child's ability to be safe online. But just to be clear here, but we're but you're saying then we have to ask why don't you want to have accountability on your own device? So the underlying question that I keep hearing you wonder is like, why don't these companies, why are we in the dark ages here with monitoring our devices and our networks? Why is this so hard to do? And I do believe it's a pushback from the adults because they themselves don't want the transparency in their primary relationship. So maybe dad or mom has their own addiction online, whatever that might be, pornography or whatever. Because what they're doing online, they are not comfortable with and they do not want their spouse. So whether that be an affair, pornography, online gambling, whether they're predators themselves. And so what I, and we can't really get into it today specifically, but I do want to make a note that this is important. Monitor your, your network, monitor your devices. It is not the 100% solution, but boy, does it help your children stay safe online. If you are getting kickback or for some reason you keep bringing it up in your partnership and it's not going anywhere, please pause and stop and reflect. 
Could this be because my partner or I am not comfortable with my own online activity? And reflect on how that might be impacting how you parent the online world. And again, I won't get into that as I could. I'm going to step back from that comment, but I do want our listeners to engage in that possibility that you might be hitting a wall and it does feel crazy making when you can't put your finger on it. That might be a reason. Before we continue, a message from Andy. Hi listeners, this is Andy Steiger. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to the AC Podcast and to let you know that my new book, Reclaimed, How Jesus Restores Our Humanity in a Dehumanized World, is now available for pre-order. As a special thanks for pre-ordering the book, we are giving away a special reader's guide, a free copy of the Human Project video series with a bonus video, and an invitation to join me on a Zoom call where I will be teaching on the content of the book and answering questions. To redeem these, simply email your receipt number to info at apologeticscanada.com. Pre-order your copy today. In fact, if you pre-order it, it is currently 30% off at churchsource.com or christianbook.com. Of course, it is also available on Amazon. The book ships September 1st. And now, back to the podcast. Um, One of the things that I really want to add today uh, when we're talking about monitoring online in our networks is that um, please do that and then tell your children. So one thing that I want to do is bring back, you know, how do we have this conversation with our kids? Monitor online the network and the device as much as you possibly can, but be transparent. I want you to sit down, have these conversations with your kids for the sake of your relationship with them and your family relationship as a whole. So I want to give you some seven actual really practical tips on how to do this. So at whatever age, as soon as they go online and they have an account of some sort, I want to encourage you to uh, sit down and have this conversation. Okay. And so when your children have accounts, for example, if they set up a Facebook account, I encourage you to either be on Facebook and have a parallel account. But regardless, if you don't want Instagram, if you don't want Ask FM or whatever they're on, that you, it be a rule that you know their passwords and that you can enter into the device and the application that they're using. And so that that creates transparency and that you know that that is true. If your child cannot share with you what an application on their computer or their phone is being used for, it needs to be deleted. And so to warn them, to let them know tonight, tomorrow, we are going to be sitting down and going through your device, going through the devices that you use, and we're going to go through each application and show me what you're using and how you're using it. And I'm going to now be the holder of the passwords here. That is going to cause alarm in your children. Okay. That is going to cause alarm because they previously typically have had, at least in their mind's eye, complete reign over this world of theirs. They could feel very threatened. You could expect either complete withdrawal, but definitely a teen tantrum, slamming doors, etc. Hold the line. Hold the line. This isn't about secrecy. This isn't about digging up or get and let them know. This is not about getting in trouble. I'm not here to get you in trouble. I am here to parent the online world and I've been missing this place. So we are going to be sitting down. We're going to be going through your devices and I'm going to be knowing what your passwords are and what you're engaging with. And moving forward, if you're adding anything online, that I'm going to know what it is. So, for example, if they don't have Instagram and they're adding Instagram, that you will know what their account is, they will friend you, or you will even be a co-owner of that account, depending on the age of the child. 
So help your child see that not all information online is accurate. Okay, what people type is not necessarily true. The platforms and the people, the people they think they're engaging with is not necessarily true. But mom, but dad, I can see them in a video, like we're video chatting. Yeah, so there are filters that predators use and other people, but where you can filter out a child, actually the RCMP do this, they sit behind a camera and they have a filter and it filters to a 12-year-old child. And it's actually a 55-year-old man. And so... What your children and teenagers are engaging with online is not necessarily true, and they don't know that. That needs to be made clear by the parents, okay? Discuss personal boundaries. You know, what is cyber etiquette? What, and we talked about that in our first session, what is it that's allowed to say online? Do you give somebody your passwords for Facebook, or do you tell them where you live, what city you live in, what elementary or middle or high school you go to, what college you're thinking about attending? Do you put that in your profiles online? Talk about boundaries and about how it's public information. Explain the importance of being careful about what you post. That what you post is not theirs. They don't own it anymore. Even if they delete it off their platform, it doesn't mean that it's deleted off of the internet. And that what they put is now there. Talk to them about what that means in five years. Talk to them about what that means when, like we talked about in session one, when the universities Google them and they have this post. Talk to current politicians about about not knowing that and not knowing how it's actually going to impact them today. Point four, discuss picture sharing and receiving. This was a very important one that the inspector of the RCMP wanted me to be very clear about with you today is talk to them about what they share, pictures and videos. Okay, she goes so far as to put a little sticky over her video cam. And the reason why is because there's sites out there that you're chatting with people and then the site actually randomly takes pictures of your child and now they own the picture without your permission. Okay, and so that can be video, that can be all sorts of things. Um, and, you know, is it compliant with Information Act? No, it's not, but it's being done anyways on very public sites. And we're going to be mentioning some websites at the, at the end, and they will tell you, you know, what websites are currently doing this. Yeah. This is actually happening with taking random pictures and videos. And so that'll be helpful, but you have to appreciate that there's more coming up all the time. It's one of those things where you're constantly chasing after. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, get to know what your kids are doing right now. That will change. So stay on top of it is basically the idea. Um, number five, explain to your kids and teens that it's illegal to threaten or bribe someone on or offline. Okay, these are illegal activities. It's illegal to share any nude or semi-nude pictures of oneself under the age of 18. We talked about this again in a previous podcast, that that's actually uh, creation and distribution of online of uh, child pornography. That needs to be talked about, that you need to use those words. You need to talk to them about what it's like to have a criminal record, that kids are being charged for this, and that this needs to be talked about. Advise your teens to not share their username or password. This seems super obvious, to me at least. For me, like, do we really need to say this out loud? Yes, you do. Say this out loud. This is not like sharing a combination to their locker with their BFF in school, okay? When you share this online, it is now online. An online platform can be uh, used and multiplied many times. And finally, be clear about household values, expectations, and be specific, which is generally what we're talking about. Well, let's jump off on that. Be specific. So let's talk about some specific top sites. And truthfully, these aren't 
sites. Uh, these are apps. And I did just want to make a mention that apps are its own unique thing and monitoring them is very difficult. It's actually difficult to monitor an app through either the network or the device. I know that Covenant Eyes has created ways around this, just if you're wondering, to monitor apps by taking screenshots of the computer or the device periodically. And that's one level of accountability. Parents, it is a challenge, but I think one of the best ways that you can parent an app, and I want to talk, we want to talk about some of the top ones here. And that is, is by having the password and access to that app and being involved with your child. If you're going to allow them to be on an app, you then are committing to parenting that app with them. So let's talk about some of the top sites or actual apps that we need to monitor. Yeah. So I'm first going to talk about the top ones that kids are using the most. And then I'm going to talk about the top ones that I just honestly, if your kid has it, delete it. Okay. And so the first is going to be Facebook. Our kids are on Facebook. If your kid is under the age of 13, they're not allowed on Facebook. Although recently there was a new kids app, it's called Messenger Kids app, where they basically have a platform underneath your platform and everything rolls through your Facebook account. And we use it Mm. uh, and it works very well. Okay. Yeah. Great. And, and so basically your kids can, you control who they contact, you control who contacts them, you see all their messages. all their messages. Yeah, you see it's quite transparent. You know, on a personal level, I won't be friends with my kids' friends on Facebook because I don't want to sit on my phone and talk to other kids all the day, all day long uh, when my kids are in my living room. So, you know, whether they, who they contact, be cognizant of that. No, here's just a quick note. Facebook is losing quite a bit of popularity these days. Uh, Young adults that I work with, they tend not to be using Facebook. They tend not to use Twitter. Actually, I don't even know a young adult that's on Twitter, and I'm just seeing less and less being used, being on Facebook. Some of the top ones, and we'll get into these, are are things like Instagram and YouTube. These are quite popular, as is some others that we're going to get into. Yeah, actually, the the users for Facebook have gone down in age significantly since it opened up. It originally opened up for university students, and now younger and younger kids are going on, so their demographic is changing significantly. YouTube, which is the second most popular search engine right next uh, behind Google, uh, is very, very popular, and they've created uh, YouTube Kids, and so it's for seven years and below. In which we got to commend them. Like, they're actually... Well, I guess, but I'm like, at least they're doing something. I'm, I'm so, I guess I'm so annoyed by how little, little there be, is. There is. Yes. That I'm like, at least YouTube is doing something. Yes. Yes. And, and I can't <laughs> totally disagree with you there. And it's YouTube. I believe that they have an ethical obligation to do far more than what they're doing. And let me get into Agreed. this. And so, sorry, Andy. Uh, and so, um, So they do have, this is not a recommendation, but YouTube does have a platform for kids, YouTube kids, it's called for seven years plus, uh, and it still accesses inappropriate content. And I want to be clear about that. Uh, You do have parental controls, including a timer, how long your kid is on there. You cannot filter what your kid searches for. Okay. What they have tried to do is filter it behind, you know, closed doors. So they're trying to get some of this harsher content away from the children. So it's the person who posts, like if, you, if you've at all posted on YouTube, you'll see that now you have to mark whether or not this content is for kids or not. But it's that easy that somebody could say, oh, it's for kids. Yeah. 
And if you're an online predator, you are not going to select those things, okay? And so, to me, it looks like just a much kid-friendlier version, but whether it does what it says it's doing, research is saying that actually kids still engage with very inappropriate content, including child suicide, family violence, pedophilic material, and school shootings. Like This is still coming through these filters. So again, filter as much as you can, but like you say, be in their conversations online, be in their platforms online, know what they're seeing, monitor the device, because we can have the best of intentions, but the best thing that we can do is be parenting physically the online world. Then there's WhatsApp. WhatsApp was a very popular, well, it's still actually very popular around the world. And Yeah, I find that it's more popular in other nations because it tends to deal with texts and whether or not you use an Apple device. So people with Apple devices tend not to use it quite as much as others because it's kind of like a free way of texting and, and whatnot. Yes. And videos. And videos. So texting and videos is what's Whereas on that. Apple, you have FaceTime and all these others. So so you might find that your child may or may not use that one. Yes. This is, this is very popular with probably the middle school age. And they do it in school. And um, so that they create groups. And there's actually a lot of bullying going on WhatsApp. But one of the most popular features, which I briefly mentioned, was or Snapchat, which was actually a different one. But uh, you take a picture and then apparently the photo goes away. And so these middle schoolers believe that the photo goes away. And uh, there was a lot of inappropriate comments and bullying and images of what have you on, not was, is on. Uh, that keeps showing up in my office as well. WhatsApp is very popular, even if it's not in Abbotsford, but it is <laughs> technically no, it's very here. popular. it's here. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. It depends on the devices that you're using. And uh, so... Again, we can monitor, we can talk about all of these different things, but they're going to change. They change weekly, they change monthly. In a few months, this list is going to become irrelevant and something else is going to come up. Like the popular one right now is TikTok. TikTok, TikTok is under fire because it basically gathers information on its users. And so there's lots of blogs and people out there researching, you know, what it's doing. And it's kind of scary on an information front. But as far as children are concerned, they are sharing the information so quickly and it, it appears so kid-friendly that it's very easy to capture a child's kind of where they're at, where they're going to school, who they're hanging out with, and some personal information on here. You can have parental controls on TikTok. Um, you're not supposed to be younger than 13. You have to be 13 to, in order to have a platform on TikTok. But even then, they are encouraging screen time management. Uh, you can do 40 minutes to two hours. You can do restricted mode, which blocks mature content. And family pairing, which I love. I love family pairing. Whenever you can control content and messages, it's similar to the Facebook idea where you're seeing what your kids are doing. They know that you're seeing it. This is it's a transparent type of filtering system. What's your thoughts of Instagram? That's a, also a very popular one with, with young adults, but I'm seeing more and more younger people on it. So Instagram is another that uh, compliance you have to be 13 or older. I do not encourage children to have Instagram and I'm not the only one. Like there's psychologists and therapists around the world are saying, no, do not allow your kids on Instagram. And it's more for the misunderstanding and hyper, hyper awareness of physical body. 
And so it's all of these filters and kids wanting plastic surgery earlier and, and not having, uh, you know, an identity, but trying to put out an identity and how many likes do I get? And, and that is having a huge impact on confidence and mental health. Yeah, I've seen a number of documentaries on that where so much of identity gets revolved around or caught up in uh, how many people are following me, um, how many likes are posts getting. And so much so that, that kids get to this place where they're watching their likes, they're watching how fast those likes are developing. And if it's not at a certain level, then they'll delete the photo because they get to this place where it's like, you're not cool or, or, um, so teens are really creating self-identity. And so they're creating it naturally and in a very healthy way because that's what teenagers do starting around 12, but typically 14. And so they're very, very newly susceptible about how people are seeing them and aware for the first time that people are seeing them and making judgments. And so what I find when kids have Instagram in uh, talking about it, teens, particularly in my counseling room, is that they have multiple accounts and they're trying out multiple identities online and they are posting these photos and videos and personas, if you will, and trying them out not to see what fits for who they are created to be, but how many likes they can get. And that, you're getting into some really unhealthy identity formation territory there. Also, there is quite a bit of sexually explicit material on Instagram that's quite easy to get a hold of and also really promotes uh, a lot of sexual identity that's so pervasive in our culture with, you know, looking provocative or how you should look, looking certain ways is going to get you more likes than others and, and, and the such. So that, that's an important one. What other ones would, would we put up here quickly? So let's, let's talk about, you know, these are ones that maybe we would use, we would parent. Are there certain apps so, uh, or sites that you would say, listen, parents, I, I think you should just block this entirely. There sure are. And I have limited it to the six, but there, you know, Get on your device on the kids' devices. If you have a little spidey sense, delete it. Okay. So number one, there's a one called Periscope. It's a social site where you you're chatting, you're meeting new people. So a lot of these are social sites, but I don't want to disclude the online gaming platforms as well. That where you're, it's very social, playing the game, but it's actually you're meeting all these people online, and so you can get a lot of that from this as well. You can't gather the research as clearly on these things, but it's very true for these as well. So monitor those as well when you're online gaming, but. Uh, this is going to come out of a lot of social interaction insights because you can actually read data on this. So Periscope, number one, is a social site where you're chatting and you're meeting new people. 32% of the users are 21 and younger. And basically, uh, investigators found that children as young as nine are being groomed on this site. They're meeting new people. They're trying to make friends. Kids are bored. They're Googling and they're, they're meeting people they don't know. Number two, after school, it's anonymous. And so this app is aimed for school-age kids. And there's a lot of cyberbullying that goes on here because it's anonymous. You don't need any sort of platform of this is who I am, accountability that comes back to you. And so it says to the kids, you can say whatever you want to whoever you want, and you're going to get away with it. So there is a lot of secrecy. There is a lot of encouragement 
for, hey, you should go kill yourself. Oh, I saw what you were wearing today. What a fat girl you are. You know, it's much worse than that, but I feel like I can't even say it. Um, <laughs> um, and it, it, it just gets to this really black place. And then your child is holding onto their device, constantly wondering who's thinking this of them. Is it someone in their school? Is it an adult? Is it a kid? They don't know. Delete it. It's just a platform for bullying and very, very difficult for kids to navigate that. Number three, Tinder. It's kind of funny because Tinder is an online dating site, but you know, 7% of the users are 13 to 17 years old. And if your kid has Tinder, it is inappropriate. It's an inappropriate site for them to have uh, when they are adults. This is something that they can navigate, hopefully still in conversation with you, but it is just not appropriate for children to be engaging with adults. And adults are intentionally trying to groom and engage younger and younger users on Tinder. You basically try to connect with somebody, set up a date in a time where you meet, and um, that just can can go into all sorts of scary. Then there is Ask FM. It's a Q&A site. Uh, it's largely used by 13 to 17 year olds where you are paired with somebody and you're, you basically just ask questions like, oh, how are you? What's your favorite color? At least that's what we imagine they're asking. But uh, it quickly gets into you know, sexual requests and uh, dares and what have you. And it's from anonymous people. And so like we talked about in one of our previous episodes, we're not sitting with a person regulating and figuring out what's going on through our bodies and like what I say to you matters and I can feel it. It's in a screen. And so it feels like it doesn't matter so kids are saying harsher and harsher things that they would never ever say in real life but they're saying them and the child reading them is receiving it like somebody's standing in front of them saying it and so they don't know what to do with this they're getting told to go and rape someone that someone's going to come and rape them that they should go and kill themselves that they're getting death threats it's just going to very very dark places where kids don't know how to navigate and shouldn't have to navigate and often they're doing this alone the final ones they're very similar so i kind of group them together it's called omegle and chat roulette so basically, it's their chat rooms where they pair you with somebody anonymous. And so you, you know going in, you don't know who you're going to get. And that's part of the fun. And they're starting these conversations where, again, there's no accountability, the anonymity. Um, psychologists across the world are very, very concerned about this because young people are engaging in this younger and younger. And, you know, 30% of them are underage users. And those are the ones reporting that they're underage. Let's remember that. So, right. And so these two sites are the ones that are taking random screenshots. And let me tell you, they're not the only sites taking random screenshots, but you're getting a lot of adults engaging with children and they are taking screenshots of your children's bedroom or whatever their computer. Sometimes they'll ask if you're <laughs> for your kid to, hey, show me around your house. What does your house look like? So your kid, teen, turns the computer around and starts looking around the home. Well, they're taking shots of your house about where you live, you know, how much money, how many parents are in the home. They're assessing the child's location. And there's no reason to be on these sites. There's lots of reasons to protect your kids from them. So if you see any of these come up, Please just delete them. Man, I'm realizing that we need like a fourth episode just to digest and talk about all this. There's just so much to think about. Again, our desire is not to scare parents, but to equip parents. Uh, we want to let you know about what's going on. And we're simply doing that not because we're wanting to tell you what to think, but to help you to know what's out there. There's just so much that it can be so overwhelming to know, okay, what are 
you know, sites that I should, abs- you know, I should block, for example. So we've, we've done some research for you there and we hope that it's helpful. Again, we're not telling you what to do, but we want to just help you as you navigate parenting. And I think one of the best things that we could do as we just close here is tell you some other websites that you could go to that are helpful uh, on a variety of, of levels. For example, some of these, like let's imagine that your child did post something online and they do regret putting that photo up and you want to get it down or maybe somebody's using it in a blackmail scenario or whatever. These are sites that will help you to get, for example, to get a an image down. Or these are sites that will help you to know, okay, here are, here are some new trending, you know, sites that you should be concerned about. So they're very, they're very practical. What would you recommend? Yeah. And there's several here and they are Canadian. So I do need to uh, premise that. But these sites that I'm recommending here, if you have any questions or you want to follow up on something, feel free and contact me. But also you can just check out these websites because they not only have platforms where you can report or ask questions, but they're going to, you know, set you up for conversations, how to have these conversations with your kids, how your kid can have a conversation with you, how you can contact police, etc. So the first one is needhelpnow.ca. Need Help Now. It's the number one site that I would recommend. The police also recommends this site. It's a Canada's report and tip line. So you can report sexting or, you know, blackmail if you want to take down a picture. Need Help Now has a team that goes online to try to hunt down the pictures and try to hunt down the servers that the picture is now on and owns and then goes directly to them to try to remove it. Sometimes it's not possible, but this is a whole team that is able to do this for child protection reasons. Uh, it also, it's anonym- it can be anonymous. And so if your kid has posted it and they can't bear to tell you, they can go on and get this to be done as well. You don't need to be an adult. And there's lovely places where they are coached how to tell my parents this is happening, how to say that this is what I've done and that I'm being blackmailed, uh, how to get support in these areas. The next one is cybertip.ca. Um, this is a reporting online place to go for sexual exploitation of children. It's run by the Canadian Center for Child Protection, and it's resources and referral sources for If you think this is happening to your kid, looking for tips, if it is happening, if you need to report it, if you have a suspicion, go to cybertip.ca, check out what they have to answer any of these questions. These are uh, real laws, real people behind these screens uh, that get stuff done and connect you to good local resources for where you are. Another great one is the door that's not locked.ca. A lot of great information there uh, for teens around gaming, sexual explicit exposure, internet safety, boundaries, cell phone safety, etc. Check out parental controls and advice there is great as well. Teensafe.com is another one. This one helps monitor applications like Instagram and messaging. And so like, like we were talking about before, you're monitoring the network, you're monitoring your device. Well, how do you monitor apps? Teensafe.com can help you out with that. They can give you recommendations about you know what this looks like, break it down for you. They've done all the research. It's all written there. You don't have to remember from our podcast here, uh, teensafe.com. And finally, visor, V-I-S-R dot C-O. Um, It's 
a monitoring safety site notifying parents regarding explicit information. So again, this is not about hiding or putting some spyware, but it's about getting alerts where it's explicit, you know, violence or bullying or of the like that it monitors and then sends that information to your device. Well, Alicia, thank you for being on the podcast as we've gone through this uh, series together on parenting your child in a technological age. Uh, there is so much more that we could have talked about. Uh, and maybe, we, maybe we'll come back and, and talk more about these things. If, if you have any questions, I would encourage you to reach out to Alicia. Maybe you could give your contact info one more time. Sure, you can reach me at experiencechange.ca or A-L-I-S-H-A at experiencechange.ca. Pop me off a personal email. I would be happy to get in contact with you. We will see you next week with more things to think about. Thank you for joining us. 